eight years ago, it was kind of weird to date online. And in the same way, it might be kind of weird to like just start a bunch of friendships online and really like get a lot of business value online from people or, you know, whatever it is without having like met them and connected in person. Now it's like almost the default in many ways. Mm -hmm. If you look at all of our best communities, they are really intentional about facilitating the community and building it, setting it up. They deliver so much value in there, like dollar for dollar, just so much value. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. You may have noticed in the last year or so an absolute explosion in the amount of attention that private online communities are getting. Anyone with an audience, whether they be a person or a brand, are taking note and trying to figure out how they should do it as well. But creating a community requires very different muscles from building an audience. And just because you've got a lot of followers doesn't necessarily mean you'll be successful at running a digital community. My guest today has been part of the creator economy for a number of years and seems to have cracked the code with his new business, Circle. My guest today is the co-founder of Circle, a modern community platform for creators. Previously, he was the VP of Growth and Marketing at Teachable. Join me live today. I've got Andrew Gatormson. Thanks for having me on. Well, I mean, it's hard to ignore the conversation that's happening on Twitter and then LinkedIn around uh, Circle, your, your new company. Tons of people I follow have just gotten all eager to jump on board and give it the demo. And all these people have one thing in common, and that's that they've pretty much made their entire living online uh, in some way, either creating courses or products or kind of systematizing their thought process and turning it into a product that enough people want that they'll pay for. And community is a leg of that experience. But not a lot of people have gone this career path before. This is a very kind of new career path for people to go. So before we dive into it, maybe you can explain how you got started in this creator economy. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, first of all, the this idea of the creator economy, everybody's talking about it right now. And you hear it everywhere, except it's a pretty old concept at this point. Like, People have been teaching online for a while, except all of a sudden now, it's like they're being highlighted, the creators that are doing this and celebrated. But, you know, building communities online is a pretty, I think, like intuitive thing. Like people have been building communities online forever. I mean, it's kind of like what AOL was in, in like the early days. But as far as how I got into the creator space, you know, it kind of started when I had just kind of like kind of failed at my first job I had at a college. I then tried to start a company and that failed. And I was kind of consulting and unhappy with that. And I remember kind of looking and trying to figure out like, what should I do now with my life? And I started making a list of companies that I could potentially work at. And one of them was a company at the time called Fedora, turned into Teachable. There were like 10 other companies. And 
I, I was like really depressed at the time. I was just like sitting at home. I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And so I just started coming up with like a list of 10 or 20, like really just thorough ideas for these companies. And I would write out entire like document. I would put them onto a page, like build a whole website. And I would send a cold email to the founders of the companies. And I would say, hey, there's all this stuff that's wrong with your business, but here's all the ideas you can use to fix it. It probably wasn't very smooth. Uh, but I reached out to uh, one of these companies was Teachable, which was really a, a tool that helped people create online courses. So reached out to them. Cold, eventually after you know, spending a week on all the ideas, didn't hear anything. And uh, followed up three weeks later, finally got like a one-line reply from the CEO who said, are you in New York? Can you come in? And I said, yep, absolutely. I came in, pitched him on getting a job. I wasn't like young. I, I mean, relatively, I wasn't 21. I was probably 26 at the time, 27 at the time. I was like a real adult. And so, you know, I went in there, you know, pitching was very, it was kind of like almost embarrassing a little bit, but (laughs) got him to give me a four week long contract and went in and and that's how I got the job at Teachable. And then, you know, was there for five years. And and through those five years, I'm sure the the landscape of online creators shifted wildly as well, right? Like you, you did mention that that community has been a an area that we've tried to emulate digitally, and we've been trying since the the start of the internet. It just doesn't feel like we've totally gotten it right yet, and it keeps evolving as obviously the tech gets better, but even just like social norms are changing as well. Like the idea that now you can interact with someone across the world, across the continent asynchronously it doesn't need to be at the same time like all these different kind of things that we're we're trying to figure out it has made it a very turbulent industry to be part of yeah it's like it's you're allowed to have online communities now in a in a different way than you were like five eight years ago it was kind of weird to date online and in the same way it might be kind of weird to like just start a bunch of friendships online and really like get a lot of business value online from people or, you know, whatever it is without having like met them and connected in person. Now it's like almost the default in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so there's like this demand where people aren't, that they're actively looking um, for tools to make it easier to do that. So yes, it's changed a lot. And I think what we're seeing now is that there are a lot of tools out there that have been around to make it really easy to make money from your expertise, like sell content. But if you look at somebody like David Perel, who I know you mentioned to me is, is somebody who you've kind of followed and, and watched their journey, somebody like David, the community is just as important, if not more important, as the actual content itself with his online course. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that. There's a big difference between having an audience, which is how a lot of creators traditionally made money online. They have a product, they have an audience, and they would sell the product to the audience. A community is one step further. A community is where you have people in your audience, but you connect them with each other. And there's all these like nodes and connections that are formed. And it's just so much stronger from a relationship perspective, but also from a business perspective when you're you've got a community instead of an audience. Mm-hmm. And, and taking that point from, yeah, David Perel, who is a online creator, one of his points he brings up is that 
in the physical world, we have these communities, but we don't really kind of, we, but we identify with them. So an example he gives a lot is CrossFit. Like it's just working out. It's just showing up at the same time and, and doing your exercises. But the reason why it was so much more successful or was able to grow compared to just general gym going was because you got to know the people you're sweating beside and you pat each other on the back after a brutal workout. And it has these layers of like humanity on top of the actual foundation, which is just get fit, right? Yeah. So that in the digital or any community has that kind of transformation. It goes, you go from being like a nobody who's not part of this to being transformed, whether it's by learning a new skill, getting act, getting fit, learning to code, like literally anything. There's a transformation that the creator is helping you with. But in a lot of ways, it's the other people in the group that offer the, the congratulations and the reason for you to keep showing up day after day. Yeah, that's that's the big difference between the audience and the community is that now you can get just as much value from your peers as much as you can that one kind of creator who may or may not be sitting up on a pedestal. Right. I think best creators don't sit up on a pedestal. You know, they, they're there with you and they make you feel like a peer. But you know what? Kind of what you just mentioned, a lot of the value of a community sometimes can be anything from like identity where like it kind of becomes part of your identity when you're in CrossFit. Um, but then there's also just much lower stakes examples of communities as well. Like if I'm part of a painting community, like an art community, and I go in and I consume some content, I maybe just read some people's you know discussions that they've been having. I just kind of lurk or maybe once every two weeks I go in because they like post some new like painting and everybody can kind of paint along with it. It's lower stakes. Like I don't have to be there all day, every day, just like making it my one thing. I can have a few different versions of that in my world and be part of multiple different communities with different levels of like buy-in and emotional investment. Emotional and monetary and time. Like you can, you can really choose the whole spectrum of how often and how much you identify that as your world and you can turn it up or down at the, at the click of a button, just choose your pricing Mm -hmm. tier. When you need it, because, you know, you may not need the same way in real life. We, there are sometimes we just need this to be part of a certain community. It can be a really small community and like belong to something, but then you move on. There's a, then your life evolves and like you move out into something else. We'll kind of touch on, on the, the market opportunity you saw in starting circle, but there are a ton of community building platforms that are already out there. So where do they fall short? And maybe give us some examples of who you'd consider your competitors and where you step in and wh- how you've differentiated. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a ton of different community tools and, and all of that. And I actually am not under um, the impression that, that a whole bunch of them fall short. I actually think they're just like good tools for different use cases, some better than others. When I think about our competitors and kind of like what we're trying to do, it's to solve problems that we saw that existed in the marketplace. So as an example, Circle was kind of born out of our time at Teachable. And we're really close with the team at Teachable, really close friends with them. I talk with them every day, still do. And uh, so we spent five years at Teachable. We worked with tens of thousands of creators, people that were teaching online. And, you know, we saw this this problem. So Teachable is great, actually, for like hosting courses. It's a course platform and um, hosting video and selling your, your video and all of that. Very content focused. 
But what we saw is when we looked at the top course creators, right? And not even just the top course creators, but the top creators in general, people creating stuff online, monetizing it. We noticed that the best ones, they didn't just have the content. They had the community with the content like we spoke about, except what they were doing is they were trying to create the community in a place like a Facebook group, right? So they want the community to exist and be discussing the content, except that the content would be in a whole different place. And you'd have a Facebook group and it would just be mayhem. It wouldn't feel polished. It wouldn't feel premium. There'd be ads on the right-hand side. It was disorganized. People didn't want to be on Facebook in many cases because it's pretty controversial these days. And so we even were creating our own courses at Teachable where we wanted to have a community and we try to use like Slack, except with Slack, you'd have to have a whole different login. It's meant for work. We love Slack, by the way, even use it at Circle for work, but it didn't have like real community use cases. So we were like, you know, what if we wanted to create like a really premium community experience? How would we do that? And how would we be able to just like add it? to your course platform or add it into your website, add it into your product. So that's what Circle is. It's this really clean, beautiful course platform that's completely white labeled your own brand that you can then integrate directly into your product or your website. That's awesome because I personally like have been off Facebook for three years And then when you try to join some type of like community, there's either a Facebook or a, and I don't use Slack for work currently. I will like coming up soon, but that's just like another app I don't open ever. And so if that's where all the conversations happening, that's like, I'm not getting the full value. And, and it's hard to find like platforms that has the content plus the conversation. Cause those are two totally different uh, components to it. And in a lot of cases, the creator puts all their effort towards the, the content, does that community come organically or what are some of the, what have you noticed with the, the best, healthiest communities? Yeah, so the answer is, is no, it doesn't really happen organically. If you look at all of our best communities, they are really intentional about like facilitating the community and building it, setting it up what the actual value prop is going to be like they work really hard on it so we get to see everything under the sun when it comes to community building in terms of what people try and how they approach it if you look at our most successful communities they are really thoughtful about like why is a member going to come and sign in and how are they going to get value like what are they going to consume like mm-hmm. are we going to have like a book club in here and are we going to give them a way to like get feedback from the community. When we onboard them, we're going to, let's say, ask them what it, what would be most helpful for them and get their responses. And then we're going to have like a dedicated person just focused all about like them getting the questions they need answered, connecting them with this other member. Like there's, you can't like automate yourself out of building a community. So it's really hands-on, it's gritty and uh, it takes work. And so we try and set that expectation And it just so happens right now, I'm doing a lot of like one-on-one demo calls with potential customers and amazing people that are building communities um, and have already built really impressive businesses a lot of the time. And I always just tell them like, you know, this is going to take a lot of work, right? So like, you know, just be aware of that because it just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. on a bill. What's the the point then in starting the community if they've already built a business on the back of their content? What, what is it that they are looking for in starting that community piece? 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you were to look specifically at the creator space, and we have kind of like two kinds of customers, right? So we have products that they start, they've started to build communities and things like that. We have creators that build communities. I, I would say the biggest thing is the size of your, let's assume you're even building a community for business purposes, right? But I could build an audience and I could have, let's say a thousand people on my email list, or I could have 10,000 people on my email list. I could sell them a product. I could sell them another product or whatever it is. When you build a community between like those 10,000 people where it kind of exists beyond you and like runs itself, it there's just so many more ways to give them value. You can sell more products. It just expands the potential size of your business and the impact it can have. And it just makes it more stable because, you know, a lot of creators, it's hard. Like it's hard to go out and like make a living. It's very entrepreneurial. It can be really up and down. If you look at how a lot of these creators make money, my wife, she kind of falls into that category. She has a pretty popular podcast and blog and you know, she makes a good, a good living, but she makes about, she made about 40% of her income this year in about two weeks in one, one period. So it's really then like, then there's three months of nothing. Right. So with creators though, like when you have a thousand people in your community, even a hundred people in your community, they're there to support you over and over and over and over again in a just in a different way than somebody would be if it's just kind of like part of it. No, I feel that because there are people who, whose content I would consume very regularly because they have consistent in how they post, but there is nothing more to it. Like their, their ask is like, join my email list because at some point they're going to launch a product and need people to buy it. Do you, is it possible, you think, to have a community component without the content component? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we see it all the time. So because there are a lot of different types of communities and I forget it all the time, but we have like non-business focused communities, right? So you could have a group of like stay-at-home dads. Like we're stay-at-home dads. Like I want to connect with other stay-at-home dads now and the group with a bunch of stay-at-home dads. And sure, like maybe they'll like share content or share ideas and, and things like that. Um, or maybe you have like, we have actually one community and it's all about like biking and uh, it's like this like underworld of biking and, and stuff like that. And it's not about content. It's about sharing ideas and talking about what's happening in the space. And there's, but it's not like consuming information. People are there because of the other people. And I think that's why your company is getting a lot of attention is because you found that balance that it's, it's, it's your own, it's white labeled, but it's also flexible to be part of your website. It's not like a separate login, like all the, all the kind of barriers that come with going against Facebook that has the reach, but obviously not the functionality. And then the other direction is like total functionality, but no reach. You got to start building it from scratch. So you're kind of allowing people to, to have those awesome experiences wherever they need to have them. Yeah. And the way we like to think about it is that we specialize in the community piece. Like we want to be like the A plus tool for adding a community to like the rest of your stack. So if you have 
an online course, like go use like an A plus like online course platform, like Teachable or Kajabi or any of the other course platforms. And then use like the A plus community platform and have like the most, the A plus mm. version of all of it versus like this tool kind of doesn't really have a great community. They have like a community feature, but they also say they're like a membership and it's kind of like the B version all around. Like that's mm. just a whole different philosophy than what we recommend. Yeah. What have you found like an ideal size of what a community could be? I guess that's a very hard question. The definition of community isn't even real. So, but if you notice that at a certain point, it gets that kind of momentum where there's enough of a tipping point that it kind of has that energy that brings people back organically. And then if there's a, if there's a tipping point where there's too many people and it becomes noise. Yeah, not really. The, there are like communities that are 40,000 people that run on circle. And we have communities that are 40 people that run on circle. So like the 40,000 person community I'm thinking of, it's more like a product driven community of customers, things like that. And then we have a guy named Kevin Fermont. He's a coach. He has 40 people. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 35. I don't know, but he, he's really hands-on with them in terms of like, he does coaching calls. They all kind of like share ideas, get feedback on their business. It's kind of like a business coaching group. And the signal to noise is so high because everybody in there gets such great attention. So in many ways, the smaller it is, the more valuable sometimes the community, it's just easier to get to a valuable community when it's, when it's really small, it's in kind of like an unfair advantage, but uh, yeah, I mean, some of the communities that are 10,000 people, those are, they're super valuable for their members. And I guess it would depend, it depends as well, whether that the organizer of the group is the center of attention or if they're just the moderator, right? Like you kind of mentioned that some, some creators like to put themselves on the pedestal of being like, the all-knowing Oracle and everyone else needs to learn exactly how they do it. Whereas there's other creators who go the other route and say, look, I'm just, I'm just kind of facilitating. I'll, I'll jump in, but really you are the, the, the members are the ones who are going to help you out more than I could ever could. And that's kind of a cool way of thinking about it too. Like before you even jump into it, positioning your brand, whether it's a personal or a company brand to be either like, the, the influencer or the practitioner in a lot of ways. Right. And I think a lot of the best communities though, they do end up with the, the influencer, like the creator is becomes the peer. Like that's the value of the community. In a lot of cases is that like you're there, like with that person that you've been following and now you get to connect closer, but connect with the other people that also have followed that person. Yeah, it becomes more one-on-one, like you're paying to get access to that person because they're, they've got maybe tens of thousands of people on Twitter, but there's only 100 people in this. And you can't hand it off, like the community building piece. Like you'll always need that person there to be like the advocate for that community, facilitate everything and, and run it. But the bigger you get, all of a sudden, like there's more opportunity for people to kind of take the lead and moderate yeah, for sure. I, I took the Alt MBA. That's Seth Godin's online course, it's kind of a flagship one. He's introduced a whole bunch of them since, but the community was the big takeaway, really. Like, you're not going to get his attention. He hires either they're, I don't know if they're hired or if they're volunteer, but anyways, there's like some coaches kind of coming through it. And then there's like just straight up alumni who are now moderators. I assume it's all volunteer because there's like dozens of them. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like set the, set the tone. They're like, look, I'm up here. 
I'm, I'm no, I, I just did this a year before you. And I find that to be a really effective way of transferring culture. And, and so that the new cohort gets it right away instead of it being like a fresh, clean slate every time. What, do, what does the back end, what roles would the, the creator's team be composed of? There's huge variance, but like if you were to look at, I mean, you can go back to David Perel and Tiago Forte. So keep in mind, they're playing at a different scale because like they have a really robust online course business and teaching business and all that, but they do use a circle for their communities. And so they have a guy in their team and his name is Will Madden and he's their course manager. He does way more than just the community stuff, but you know, Will, he's in there. He replies to everybody. He's very thoughtful about, he's, it's like, he's like built our product for us because he will write this long, just long, like documents about like all the ideas for how to facilitate connection between people. So you kind of need somebody who's like championing, championing the members on your team. And it could be you, but you need that person. It's funny. One of our customers is a guy named Pat Flynn and Pat has a popular podcast and blog and courses, all that kind of stuff. And so he, he's just so thoughtful about his membership. He has a paid membership. They deliver so much value in there, like dollar for dollar, just so much value. And what he did is he literally pulled every single new member that joined and he asked them, why, what do you hope to get out of this? Like, what's the most valuable piece? And there's a few different answers. The number one, one by far, 84% of people, I think was like the number that their team told me are there for connection. So when we build the product, we build in features to help you connect like really rich member profiles and messaging and and stuff to like be able to identify who you should connect with and and things like that. And so you can do it with the tool and and we do that, or you can also do it with people on your team. So like that, that would probably be like the number one role I would think of is like, who's focusing on connecting people with each other. Cool. Because yeah, you want to have that, that one-on-one as quickly as possible and kind of get them to that aha moment that they're in the room with the right people. Yeah. And by the way, the other result for that poll was that I think it was something like only, it was like 10% or 15% of people were there for the exclusive content. So like it really wasn't content focused. It was about the people and connecting in relationships. Do you think that's because of the, the culture he built kind of on the back of his podcast and the back of his kind of the people he was attracting to his brand? Did he set that precedent years before by saying, look, you're going to get more value from my content if you connect with others who follow me than you will just by like, leeching on to every single word I say, or like, did he have to set that precedent? You think? I think he was very, I think you're totally right in terms of like where you're going with that. Like he's very, he's very thoughtful. So if you go, you can probably go at his sales page for instance, and it's really well done. And he almost like qualifies the people that are going to be part of this community he writes who it's for, who probably shouldn't apply because like it's not going to be a good fit for them. They'll just be disappointed. And it's very much connection focused. But also it's 2020. Like information is so widely accessible. And I personally value information a lot. Like I will pay a lot for information. 
I don't know if that's like the general consensus these days. So I think it's always trending down in terms of like what people are willing to pay for information. People get it though, in terms of like relationships, they'll pay for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think people really value, I think it's just intuitive. Like people get how valuable relationships are. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that. I I heard a good one saying that people don't pay for information. They pay for organization, which is what a lot of these creators have figured out. Like the stuff they're talking about, a lot of it is not original ideas. They've just organized it in a way that, uh, that really resonates with a core audience that they've chosen to go after. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we always said for years at Teachable, because we were always telling people, Hey, you should create an online course is that don't make like a really long online course because people don't pay you for information. Like they don't want to consume 15 hours of content to learn how to like set up the best campsite. They would, if they could learn how to create an amazing campsite in 10 minutes, they would do that. So, and they pay more for that because it would take shorter. So give them transformation. Like just don't give them the information, just give them transformation. Oh, that's even better. Give them that transformation as quickly as possible. That's awesome. You, you mentioned some of the, the massive names who have come over to circle as your early adopters. So Pat Flynn being one of them, uh, he's got a massive following and has been in this game for a long time. Tiago Forte and David Perel, who are part of building a second brain and rite of passage. You've also got Enlore LeConf, who does, uh, Nest Labs, which is another, uh, very popular Twitter kind of community that is now moving to circle as well. I'm sure that these early adopters have given you some awesome feedback early on, but just as a result of them having massive audiences have also really helped you, I assume, through the network effect of their, of their audiences. What did these top creators know about audience building that most people don't know? You know, just one thing I want to mention, I'd say 90% of people that use Circle aren't Pat Flynn, right? Like 99% aren't Pat Flynn or, or Ann Lore. Like most are just regular people who are connecting with others and like they're going it slow and it's really valuable for them, like, but at a much smaller scale. So I tell people like not to compare that. I, like I wouldn't compare yourself to Pat Flynn because that'd be really hard every day to be doing that. But as far as like audience building, I mean, they all are so impressive. Like they all do their audience building very differently. Like for instance, Anne Lore is so prolific and smart. Like she puts out so much content and she it's at such a high level and she's so smart. It's hard for me to relate to like even some of the stuff that her and her audience like bond over. Like they're so smart. But high quality with high standard, high quantity, really hard to do, but she does that. Pat he really is, he just is so warm and like really thoughtful about like how he treats his audience. So it's obviously like Ann Moore and all the others, like Ben from MakerPad, he's building a great community on Circle, but like Ben is, he's go, he's in a market that's growing really quickly and he's just doing really like, he's being like very useful. So like, if you look at all these folks, the biggest thing they do is they actually like create useful things that people really get value out of. I mean, I'm trying to think David Perel and Tiago Forte. So what they do, obviously they put out a whole lot of content in terms of like building their audience, but they also, they've just focused on one thing, like building a second brain is their course. And they've just focused on the same thing over and over again and just making it like the 
best version of that thing in the world. Like Tiago cares so much about his students getting outcomes. And so rather than having like a million different versions of building a second brain for real estate agents and this, like all, he just has like this amazing version of building a second brain. And he uses the same content, same tool over and over and over again to get people results. So it's, that's very different than like being prolific and creating a ton of content at a high quality all the time. So they all do their own thing. From a, from a product design perspective, has it been helpful having those power users on board from the beginning? Absolutely. They've been incredibly patient and, you know, they, they give us great feedback. So it makes it a lot easier to build a product. If there are just like five people and you can picture them in your head and then you can talk to them every day and they can tell you what's working and what's not working. And then you can go and iterate. It's, it's amazing. And so they've been so valuable to us. You can't even quantify it. And we're like eternally grateful to them because, you know, they're all kind of similar in what they need from a tool perspective. And there might be five or 10 of those early folks, but if there's five or 10 of them, there's, you know, probably also five or 10,000 of them and and beyond. And so they've been amazing. And in a lot of ways, they're, they're influencing the next cohort of people who saw how they did it and they want to emulate it. All their students maybe are like, now, now I've got this toolbox, like they're, in a lot of ways, they're teaching people how to be creators online. Exactly. They lead by example. And all of our growth has been really organic and, and word of mouth, but it's been like Tiago will go and write something nice about Circle on Twitter. And then, you know, 30 people will sign up for a trial and kick the tires and, and play around. And some will become customers or some might say nice things about Circle. And then, you know, some of them will give us feedback on how to make the product better. Or, you know, there's a community we have, it's people who are learning German and they'll go and they'll play around the product and they'll be like, okay, this doesn't make any sense to me. And then they'll write in and they'll tell us like how we can make it better. Oh, this is amazing. So it just, by putting your product out into the world, then all of a sudden you put yourself in a vulnerable place, but it makes the product so much better, uh, so much faster. Yeah, no doubt. Andrew, I know your background is in growth and marketing. And so when you guys publicly launched at the beginning of this month, Product Hunt is a website that a lot of kind of people who just get get really excited about new tech products at scour. And, and it's a really big badge of honor to get the number one product of the day on Product Hunt. And so you guys were able to do that. What did you feel went really well with that launch, with your product launch? And then what's something that you would have changed now knowing the results? Yeah, um, I don't think I would have changed much because it went about as smoothly as it could have gone, having been through much worse, like harder versions of that. The thing is, it didn't, it felt like a launch to people that I think were watching it from the outside. To us, we've had customers for nine months and like we've been working on the product for nine months. We've had members there. We've gotten support tickets. We've gotten, you know, happy testimonials, angry support tickets from people that are like, like something's breaking and oh yeah, all this stuff is going down or whatever. So we feel like we've been in it for a long time. We happen to have a the kind of secret to our product hunt launch, which we didn't over-optimize. Like we 
all we said is we're going to post on Product Hunt. We're going to add a banner to our website and we're going to email like our top 20 customers, right? Which are like Ben and, and Lore and people like that. And so we just posted on Product Hunt. And the thing we did do, the secret was that we had a waiting list of about 8,000 people that had signed up coming like ready for the product to come out. Hundreds of them had gotten like one-on-one demos and been onboarded. Like I talking to it, Sid, Rudy, my co-founders, Keisha. So we'd had like hundreds of calls with customers. And then when we launched publicly, we said circle is open. And by the way, we're on product team today would really mean a lot if you went over there and gave us an upvote. And that went a really long way. And I think, I don't know how product hunt works much. I get the sense though, that if like you get some early momentum, it's a good thing. Like early in the morning, we, we had like press going out that day and we were trying to like get like certain things up on our website, like at the last minute and all of that. So we didn't even end up launching. We, we launched like hours later than we wanted to. So we, we didn't get everything right, but it went about as smoothly as, as we expected, which is like, not that smooth, but it was, <laughs> yeah, we were really happy. It was really fun and really exciting just to kind of like not have like a wait list anymore. Oh, that's sweet. It's nice to have a wait list as well. That's showing that you're, you're at least building enough hype that people want, to, want in. Last question for you here, Andrew. What, and this is another really cool part of your company is you've got your product roadmap just in plain English on the website. Anyone can go in and see what you're building over the next quarter. But what is something that you're most excited about? Whatever comes to mind that is kind of coming down the pipe in the next six months that you're most excited about? Yeah. I mean, I guess a couple of weeks as of today, knock on wood, we're rolling out an iOS app. So really excited about that and just having like a much more mobile friendly experience across the board, much like live video functionality coming out, which it's really painful every day that we don't have like amazing live video right now, because, you know, we're in a pandemic world where everything happens over video and our customers need video. So like that video is like the number one thing that I'm most excited about. And I really think our customers are going to like, like the different versions of video that we empower them. Sweet. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time, Andrew. I'm sure there's tons of people who in the next month or two are going to be joining Circle Communities as more and more creators get on board with it. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. If you want to learn more about Circle, uh, circle.so is the website and uh, reach out to Andrew um, on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn and let him know where you found him. Awesome. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it, man. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.